Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Master Your Mindset. I am your host, Jer Fink, and on today's show, we have the legendary Rob G. He is a DJ. He is a father. He's passionate about being positive and healthy, and most importantly, he is a master of the morning routine. What is that, Rob? How are you? I'm great, man. Jer, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing excellent. I really appreciate you coming on and doing an episode with us. Um, it'll be great chatting with you. I look forward to it. Yeah, so, so tell me a little bit about what's going on. Um, obviously, you're a DJ. You've been doing shows from, from what I can see for quite a number of years right now. Do you have anything, any shows going on this weekend? Do you have any big gigs coming up? Um, so, yeah, I've been doing it since I was 16. I've been at like 25 years of it. Uh, I did it full time for a period of um, and then I stepped away from it seven years ago and focused my life on getting balanced and kind of refining myself. And, um, I, like I had a retirement party, like I really fully stopped it. Right. And I've definitely found the calling back to the, the, the music has called me back. And, um, now I'm, you know, I'm not doing it for any pursuit of, of fame or to try to feed a family or anything. And it's just, I'm making and playing music because I really love to do it. And uh, with that, I'm also being intentional that um, now that I'm playing out again, I'm putting out music again, that I've put a cap. So I've, I've lim- I'm limiting myself to there's 12 shows I'll do this year. Okay. So, so I can manage the balance between my life, like being a father and my morning routines and wanting to be healthy with also my love for music. So what was the big, the big thing that pushed you out of it when you were doing it, um, what'd you say, seven years ago? Yeah, seven years ago. Yeah. So, like, what was that experience like, like, while you were a DJ, and then what happened, or what, what was going on that made you kind of say, you know what, I got to take a break from this? Just having lost myself and having, I think, lost the plot for why I got into it to start with. And I got into it because I really loved the music, and I loved sharing music, and I was so passionate about it. And then it turned into a grind and it turned into me doing things I didn't love the same way for money, uh, playing music I didn't necessarily care for. And um, so, for example, you know, I play somewhere like Saskatoon and maybe I'd have a couple hundred people follow me and I'd come play at a smaller gig, but EDM started to explode and things started to change. And then all of a sudden I can be, paid twice or three times the fee, but I'm playing at the new super club in town and Steve Aoki's playing the night before me, Paul Capole's playing the night after me, but it's a bunch of people that are there to like look cool or to like, it's the hot place in town and they don't care what's going on musically. And I'm playing music that isn't aligned to why I got into it to start with anymore. So, um, and my personal life was a mess. I, uh, I was traveling too much much and I guess like not drowning my sorrows but just like I was drinking too much traveling too much and just is and uh, I blamed the music and I blamed the scene and I just I needed to to change everything to to refine myself so so there was no like one big moment it was just kind of accumulation of the wear and tear that it was having on you absolutely yeah there was just absolutely the the you know being gone every other weekend or being gone away from having two young kids. Um, wife had her own business. Uh, I was, you know, self-employed doing this and some months is great money and some months is not as much money. And, um, all these things piled together. It doesn't make for a healthy, happy recipe for, for living. So. Okay. So that's actually pretty cool. So you got a little bit of self-awareness and you realized something was off. So what, what kind of happened like after you took that break, like was there another career waiting for you or, or did you have to take some time just to kind of reevaluate yourself and figure out what's next? Before I was doing music full time, I was in HR. I was working as an HR professional and the, the intersection of my interest in business and my interest in people. So I've been interested in in business for my mom jokes about that. I was in grade school and I took my leftover Halloween candy and I brought it to school and I, I sold it. I waited till a few weeks after Halloween when no one had any candy left and I would go sell it. I had a paper route when I was 11. I took my savings after high school and I started a business. I started a record label. I didn't take the traditional path that so many other people took. So I've always had this 
affinity towards business and entrepreneurship, but I've also also been high on empathy and really curious about what drives human behavior and why people act a certain way. And I often played the role of counselor to a lot of friends uh, and coworkers. So, and I threw a myriad of things that kind of doesn't really matter. I landed an HR job one day uh, accidentally and realized like, oh, when done right, this is the intersection of business and humans. Right. And so um, I was doing that before. And then when I stopped doing music full time, that's, I got back into, into HR. Okay. Well, that's pretty fascinating. Um, just the way that kind of like you went from DJ, right? And all of a sudden you're into HR. At what time did um, like your self-development work kind of kick in? Um, I think I was, I was always searching and I always felt like there was more to it. And maybe when I was in my late teens, someone gave me like, someone gave me thinking grow rich. And then someone gave me uh, Wayne Dyer's Your Erroneous Zones. And mm-hmm. I read that maybe when I was 19. I mean, I don't know the second one. I definitely know Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Uh, and I think reading that in your teens when you did um, was a good time period. I don't, mm-hmm. know, I don't know the impact it had on you at that time, but um, I think that should be something that a lot of, like, you know, I would say teenagers, you know, young adults have the opportunity to read. Yeah, and if you don't know Wayne Dyer's Your Erroneous Zones, you should really look it up. Okay. I think it's one of the best-selling books of all time, like period, regardless of category. Okay. Yeah, okay. and it's a book that I gifted a lot. Like I gave away, I've given away a dozen copies of that book. So it's not maybe my go-to book that I would gift now, but definitely in my 20s, I gave away a lot, many copies of that book. Okay, so during your 20s, were you, were you doing a lot of self-development work? Were you doing a lot of stuff on yourself? Um, um, I was doing a lot of journaling and I was doing, uh, I was doing some meditation okay. and like consuming these kinds of things. And I was in my early twenties when I did Reiki for the first time. So that's always been there in the background. Definitely this curiosity and interest in, in feeling that I had the ability to influence my outcomes more directly by how I decided to view the world or how I decided to to direct my focus and energy and experienced, you know, a few different times in my life where um, I've galvanized that and saw kind of the, the fruits of my focus and perspective. So, so, so that's interesting. Cause that's around, that's still the same time while you were DJing. Is that correct? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's things that are tied to DJing where like I've manifested like playing at festivals or gigs or yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What I'm finding this interesting is how you were doing that, but at the same time, um, everything became too much, right? And then it was like you said, the whole wear and tear, and you kind of had to exit it. Right? Yeah, that's pre 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 two young children, pre marriage. Um, I definitely was spending a lot more time on self development and self reflection, and oh, those kind of things. Did, did you so during? A, was there a time that you actually then stopped? Because I'm just trying to paint the picture of the timeline here. Yeah. So you were doing all that stuff. So why why did you end up why did you end up stop? Was it again because of the DJing? Did it just become like from what it sounds like? It sounds like it took over your whole world. Yeah, absolutely took over my whole world. Um, I was in my late twenties and married fairly young compared to my peer group, and my ex wife was a couple years younger than me, and we had two children um, fairly quickly, and she was pursuing her own um business and i was pursuing my entrepreneur path and my music path and um yeah just got lost in it completely disconnected from the healthy balanced reflective self-aware parts like went way out in the deep end like i i feel like i lost touch with who like who i was as a person okay yeah i mean i mean maybe that was a good thing in the end i mean that's just part of your own journey right of evolving and maybe you just needed that kind of like i don't want to, I don't want to say rock bottom because it doesn't sound like rock bottom but i just you know maybe you just needed a kind of wake-up call for you to kind of kick you off in a in another direction uh, i that rock bottom is fair yeah i, I mean oh, absolutely. like a, if we're being like, I was, like let's my i was suicidal like i definitely hit yeah. the bottom okay yeah, and, and I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. 
Um, and at the time, I'm sure that was something you probably kept inside and you weren't too mm-hmm. vocal about it either, um, which can lead to a lot of problems in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so during that time, um, I mean, were you like in that whole scene, were you heavy into like drugs, drinking, like the whole party kind of vibe or, or were you not, did you not kind of get down that road? Not in the, the drug so much. I'm not going to pretend that, you know, drugs haven't been a part of my exploration in my life, but yeah, drinking, there's lots of drinking. It was so socially acceptable and always there. And, you know, I was, I had a rider and in my rider, it said that I had, you know, this much booze was provided for free. And then it's, and then it's just, it's so unhealthy because what is normalized in those circles is totally different than what's normalized in other circles. And then even like, I'm going out on a Wednesday night because a friend of mine or a peer or someone whose music I like, or I maybe have a connection with is in town. And now it's like, it's on a Wednesday night, it's on a Tuesday night or mm-hmm. playing three out of five nights. And, you know, maybe you don't want to drink or party that third night because you're tired and you've done a couple of nights for you, but you're in a new city and in that city, they don't care. And for the promoter, that's their big show for the month. And there's someone there celebrating their birthday and there's someone there who got a babysitter and it's their only once a year they go out and you are there to entertain and put on a show. So, yeah, you know what I told, like, I just watched the movie, uh, the dirt, the whole, have you seen this? No, it's, it's the whole, um, uh, is it Motley Crue? Motley Crue, I think, I think it's the, is it the Motley Crue story. Yeah, and um, it, it's exactly kind of what you're saying. Um, they just live that lifestyle, like partying all night, waking up in the afternoon, going to City City, and then literally doing the same thing over and over and over again, and that becomes their normal. So, okay, um, is, is there any, like, during this time, like, let's just um, lighten it up a little bit. Is there any kind of, like, <laughs> wild party or cool story that maybe you want to share just to bring it back to like a kind of a funny moment oh there's lots of stuff i'm i was really lucky and blessed with it where i got to you know i played the ultra music festival in miami a couple times i played at burning man i played this great festival in bc a couple times i'm going back to this year called shambhala i I saw that i was gonna ask you about that actually yeah Um, so like no shortage of like really great things but i don't know there's just you you meet people and you connect with people there's um i don't know why this story is coming to mind but i'll share it so there's this lovely person um from uh tennessee oh god she's gonna shoot me if i've got the wrong state but to me it's all the same (laughs) it's from that part of the u.s (laughs) a bit of a twang in her voice and um I met her at a party in Miami and we were chatting and she was, um, I was, it was like four in the morning and there's no last call. And I was whipping up my credit card about to start a tab. And then she was like, wait a minute, didn't you say you had the DJ at ultra at like, you know, early afternoon tomorrow? Are you sure this is the right thing you want to do? Like, I don't want to mother you right now, but is this sure what you want to do? Uh, (laughs) And I listened to her and I was like, you know what? No, I, you're right. I don't want to do this. Anyway, so this led to like hanging out the next day, playing at Ultra. Uh, she was go-go dancing there. She didn't feel safe like wanting to leave the festival in her go-go outfit. We left together and it was like this crazy adventure and I ended up at some dive bar and some Italian, some old Italian man calls me Roberto, which is why that's my name on Facebook and like, <laughs> okay. like misadventure. Like, and there's, so there's all these times where like I end up in a city where I don't necessarily know someone and I enjoy humans and I connect with someone new. And like, you know, somewhere like Victoria, like a little town on the West Coast where um, there's a great energy there and there's awesome humans there. And I got to go there several times and build real friendships and relationships. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't change any of it. And I definitely had, you know, I, like playing a pride every year. I'm doing that again this year. That's it's amazing. It's such a great cause. It's thousands of people out on the street. They're they're celebrating. um just getting to be who they are and, you know, not having to be afraid or be ashamed of, of expressing themselves. So there's, you know, whether it's random adventures in Miami with people from Tennessee or building quality friendships with people on the West coast, or, you know, just getting to be a part of something like pride. There's, there's lots of wonderful things. So from that whole experience that you had into what your life is now, is there a lot of like, 
like you talk about the adventures that you had, did you, are you still carrying on with those adventures just now more in a more, I guess, a positive mindset? Mm. It's, yes, absolutely. And it's just different now because where some of those adventures before might've been fueled by uh, alcohol, um, some yeah. of them not, but definitely often fueled by curiosity and for a want to connect with people. Yeah, I, I think a better question is like, because it sounds like during that time, you, you definitely had a lot of like kind of fun habits um, and also some not so good habits. What I'm wondering is if like you were able to kind of strip away the bad habits, but keep hanging on to that, to the new habits and kind of like, you know, re-identify yourself with like what really means a lot to you. Um, because like, you know, now that you've been back into music, right, and now you're playing shows again, you know, is there any worry that you're going to fall down that path again? Or do you feel like now you have more of a grip on it and you can kind of move forward in a positive direction? Yeah, I feel like I totally have a grip on it. This is a really great question. Something else that happened is I stopped drinking and I, it's been over five years since I've had a drink. Man, congrats. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. And it's and often, it, I have to watch the way I word it sometimes because people assume that it meant that I had some big problem or it was uncontrollable or whatever. And it definitely wasn't I don't think but I was paying no services to me and definitely being a detractor and and it I stopped because I was really sick I was definitely ill I had a crazy flu but one of those flus where you hallucinate and you wonder if your life's gonna end kind of ones crazy. and I was mostly better like 80% healthy and I was out with friends in Kensington and we're at a bar and everyone's ordering drinks and I felt that peer pressure to order a drink and the little voice in my head's like, you don't need a drink, but I ordered a drink anyway. And then my little voice is like, oh, you're such a sucker. And it was in December sometime. And I turned to friends I was with. I'm like, I'm not drinking all next year. And a couple of them said, you can't do that. Yeah, like, that smells like a challenge. Yeah. So the, the goal was to just not drink for that year. And it was really tough at first, especially in social situations or like last night when we had friends over for dinner. There's these moments where it just, it feels natural in the summer on the patio, et cetera. Yeah the holidays and uh, it got increasingly easier and then I just realized like more energy better sleep not wow. spending as much money and then at midnight there was uh, was at a friend's place and everyone's about to do a toast and they're like oh it's midnight you're gonna be able to toast you've done your your, your challenge and I said I, I don't know and then I didn't do the toast so now it's like I'm not I wouldn't say like I'll never drink again right. but I haven't in over five years and I didn't today and I don't think I'm going to tomorrow yeah and, and like you know from what i've seen in your posts and just like interacting with you and stuff it sounds like you're living your best life without the alcohol so like you know maybe it just doesn't fit into the picture anymore um and it's interesting for me just listening to your story because i'm actually currently going through something similar not with alcohol but with cannabis and like i i recently i think this is my third or fourth week now where i've been cannabis free and i've tried to do this before in the past where i've just taken a break um, and I can totally relate to everything you're saying where like the first week it's hard, the second week it's easier, but it's still always a challenge. Like every day, no matter what your vice is, it's still always there in the back of your mind. So like even to say to yourself, Oh, I can just do it now this one time. It's, it's, it's just your subconscious trying to like play a trick on you almost to give you that vice. And, and you have to be one step ahead of that. And like, that's where like I, for me anyway, that's where like the meditation comes into play. That's where, you know, doing my journaling, doing myself um, awareness work, like all that stuff keeps me kind of in check. So when those thoughts kind of come up, I don't allow them to take over. And it sounds like, you know, you, you kind of beat that, which I find just like commendable because it's, it's, I know how hard it is, man. Um, it's yeah. so, so normal. So normalized. And yeah, it's tough and like ridicule and like, I, the place I worked before I'm working now, it was uh, an agency where definitely like a party hard atmosphere and people are drinking in the office regularly and open bar events. And so the pressure's there. And yeah, and I'm still reflecting with the question you asked me as far as like habits that I've, that I've maintained or stripped away. I think what I did is I, I did a lot of reflection and I thought about when I was happiest before, before I felt things got out of control and what were the things I was doing regularly then. And that's, when I was journaling the most and that's when I was meditating more and that's when I was communicating more openly. And I'm in a, just like an incredible relationship now, like a, a relationship to defy all odds as far as what I thought was possible with someone. And so much of it is predicated on 
me being able to just say sometimes like, I'm scared. I don't know. I'm sorry I acted that way because to be honest, I was, I was afraid and this is why I was afraid. Yeah, man. I, I totally get it. Just being vulnerable, I, I think is where you're going with it. Yeah. Uh, just being cool with that and making that the new normal. Um, I, I myself, again, can totally agree. And I found so much value in just being vulnerable and being like cool with just like opening up with whoever I'm with and sharing my feelings or sharing what's going on. It's been so therapeutic and like I, I can totally relate. Yeah, it's true. And it just, I just find like I, I connect better with people, like whether it's the cashier at the convenience store yeah. or someone I'm meeting, you know, for the first time or a coworker. And I just, I'm not saying things to make people feel uncomfortable, but I'm just trying to cut through the noise and just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling so good today or I'm really excited because of this thing or whatever. And just trying to share more of the, the full me in these situations when a lot of them is when people are reserved and, and holding off. Like, yeah, with, with cashiers, because I, I've worked in customer service before, especially when I was a teenager and you're like automatic robotic mode and X amount of times per day, you're going to have some stranger be really rude to you. So it's tough. So they're just on this robotic mode and they'll say like, hi, or how are you? And they don't mean it, right? Like they're just, they're on their script and I'll say something like, I'm fucking awesome or I'm wondrous or just something. Sometimes it's, it involves a swear word. Sometimes it doesn't, but just something I know they haven't heard definitely that week and often never. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, they snap out of it and I get a real smile. And for even if it's for eight seconds, I have a real interaction with someone. So, yeah. Um, and the cool thing about that is, is like that impact you have on them in that eight seconds could last a lot longer. Like, when you separate, like, they could have a smile on their face the rest of the day just because someone paid a little bit of attention to them, just because someone paid them a compliment, right? Just because someone took time out of their day to show them that they cared just a little bit, that could have such an impact on them moving forward. So again, that, that's an amazing trait that you have, man. Keep it up because I think people need more of that. And, and you know, I, I'm, again, like can totally relate because I have that same kind of energy when I go out to places and stuff. And like um, a little story I can just share is like I was at the gym the other day and um, I go to Good Life and for whatever reason, like I go there at night and it's like the change room. It's like there's always these towels everywhere. They don't clean it and stuff. And there's this guy and he's like kicking all the towels around like the, the, the change room floor and he's kicking them into a pile. But the way that he was kicking them, I could tell that he was like annoyed by it. So like my first reaction is just to like straight up ask him, I'm like, man, are you okay? Right. And just by asking him that little question, you know, it, it's, it triggered like a small conversation that I could feel just put him a little bit more at ease when we kind of separated. Mm-hmm. And like, I think, more people can, can, you know, just, you know, pay, pay a little bit more attention to what's going around around you and try just, you know, just to care just a little bit more. And maybe you can change somebody's day. Like it's not even a hard thing to do. Yeah. You, you like, and it's funny to think because that's a, a little story and it took a couple minutes for that interaction, but back to what you're saying earlier, the fact that you could have this cascading effect on his life, like, he could have gone home and had a completely different interaction with his children, with his partner, yeah. with someone else. Yeah. And that would like means whether like his relationship lasts another 10 years or whether they break up in two weeks. Right. Like, and it's yeah. because you took a few moments to show care for a stranger. Yeah. You know, I, I it's funny cause I take the same approach when I'm driving and like, and I'm sure you've seen this like, like Toronto road rage. It's like mm-hmm. insane. And when I'm driving and I see people swerving in and out, I see people riding up other people's ass, I see people honking and I'm just like, why? It's like, what is going on with that person inside their mind? Like, what kind of day must they have that they have to be so aggressive and so angry? It's like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like so grateful I work out of my house, man. Because like, <laughs> when I get on the streets, I'm just like, holy shit. It's like, it, it's like, it's just all over you, man. It's, it's a bit intense at times, so okay um so let's kind of switch it up let's um i'm interested to know a little bit more about like your whole self-development process or practices if you will i mean you've mentioned meditation you've mentioned journaling um you're doing reiki now kind of stuff um how how is that like in this new chapter of your life have you kind of reconnected with that kind of stuff like i know you said earlier in your 20s you were doing it a lot of time and you kind of took a break have you kind of uh, I know you went to uh, Seeds, which is like a weekend workshop to help you kind of find the seeds buried within you that you want to kind of release um, then to 
um, plant new positive seeds. So yeah, so how has it kind of reconnected with you and how is it serving you now? Oh, it's serving me so well. I credit finding Ashtanga Yoga as kind of help, like saving me, helping me find myself. So post leaving music, post divorce, I'm living on my own for the first time in my life because I went from living with my parents to living with roommates, to living with a girlfriend, to living with roommates, to living with a girlfriend who turned into my wife. And all of a sudden I'm in my thirties and I just, my life has collapsed and I failed at things and I'm in a bunch of debt and I'm like trying to figure out who the hell I am. And I had created this entire identity that I conflated with like that. I was my music identity and vice versa. So it really like I'm starting at a scorched earth kind of a spot and a friend introduced me to yoga and the yoga she was really into was Ashtanga yoga, which is a set sequence. So mm-hmm. it's the same every time so that it's easy to get, uh, forget about the poses or what's next or get out of your head and really get into the breathing, which becomes very meditative. It's a very meditative practice. And that was, I, I can't imagine, like, I don't know, I'm sure I would have found another way, but that really kickstarted things again and really got me onto meditation again. And then I started exploring other kinds of meditation again. And um, yeah, and I just like, I started thinking about when I was happiest before, when I felt most connected, when I was, you know, radiating at the strongest frequency, when I would like just felt more carefree, what are the things they're doing? And they're the things like the, my morning routine that I have right now, which is um, even that these are things that I was doing semi-regularly before. I'm like, but what if I did regularly? And right now the morning routine is ice cold shower, stretches and exercise, meditation, and then some journaling. Okay. And that's like I'm day must be day fifty something. I'm getting close on almost done two months of this is a like every single day. What time are you waking up at? Mm, six ish. Six, six, six thirty, you, yeah. Then you jump into the shower. Is it is it a full on cold shower or do you go from the hot to the cold? Ice cold. Nothing but cold. Wow. Good on you, man. I've been doing the hot cold. So I take my shower regularly and then at the end of my shower I flip it to cold. And I kind of just like chill there for a few minutes and just kind of let it sink in and then I exit. But maybe I'll, maybe I'll uh, take your lead and just go right for the cold. Uh, that sounds awesome, man. Um, so, so, and then again, so then it was exercise, meditation, journaling, and I think that's it, right? Yeah, yeah, the shower and then those three things, yeah. Okay, so what, what does that look like from a time? Is it like a half an hour practice? Yeah, like about half hour total, yeah. Okay. That's amazing, man. 45 days, you said? I'm over 50. I'm singing like, like uh, on Sunday, it'll be eight weeks, I think. Okay, so how does this practice like benefit you overall? Um, like as you go into your day and how you interact with people and how you, and how you manage your emotions? Yeah, you're, you're checking the boxes of the things that it's impacting the most is if I think of the last eight weeks, there's been two days where I haven't felt that I was in a really great place mentally or that I wasn't like automatically starting off on, on the best foot as far as just leaving the house, like right away. Like, so I'm wide awake from the cold shower. I'm present. I feel strong and healthy from the exercises. I feel centered and grounded from the meditations. I'm generally also meditating on, on what I'm wanting out of life and what goals I'm working towards. Sorry, I see that it froze there. Are you still there? I'm still here. Yeah, it, it's, re- it's back now. It's okay. Okay. And then, and then the journaling is, yeah, after the journaling, then it's either like a brain dump if I've got a lot on my mind or it's uh, organizing some thoughts if I've had some creative ideas. So I'm done this and I'm feeling like wide awake, present, strong, mentally clear-minded, aligned to what I want to be doing, have a clear sense of what my priorities and focus is. And then it's a lot easier to stroll through my day and it almost doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what shit comes up at the office. It doesn't matter what things go on with the kids. Like I'm a lot better with expanding that space to decide what my reaction is because I've set my day up like this. Okay. I've started. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really good. I think, um, just like you said, starting your day with that kind of intention, taking care of yourself first and getting your mind right is just going to like set that tone for the rest of the day. 
Um, what do you do in circumstances where, you know, you do get triggered or, you know, you do feel your emotions getting a little bit boiled. Maybe someone says something to you or maybe you see someone acting a certain way or maybe your kids do something. Like, what do you do in those kind of scenarios to keep yourself continuously level so you don't kind of, um, let's just say, blow up or react in a negative way? Yeah, well, and I'm not to say that, like, I still don't, sometimes don't. I'm definitely not a robot, so. No, I, uh, 100%. I'm just, you know. Absolutely. Fully. I, I've done a couple things. So one is that before I go to almost, like, any meeting or any conversation or even before I call our call, I stop and think, like, what are my intentions here? Yes. And that really helps frame things. And then when I find myself getting on that slippery slope, um, I stop, like, what are my intentions in this interaction, you know? Uh, I flipped empathy. You were talking earlier about thinking about these seeing these crazy drivers, like what yeah. has got them being this way? Why would they be acting this way? So that's definitely something that I employ too. Um, and then for the moments that I do lose my cool or like I do fall out of it, it's just a matter of as quickly as possible. Um, get it. Once I get my mindset back to like own it and apologize and just, well, like, well, if I lose my cool with the kids, they're just right away like, I'm sorry. Right. I raise my voice. This is why it's wrong. Yes. Um, this is, you know, uh, I'm just because I'm the adult doesn't mean that I can't apologize. Right. So, so w- when this stuff happens, though, um, are you aware of kind of like what's happening in that moment? Or is it something that you have to kind of track back to? Because even for myself, uh, <laughs> I'm, like I'm totally finding um, the more I, I, especially the journaling, especially the meditation, I also definitely slip off. I got two young kids; they mm-hmm. definitely can trigger me, especially the whining and like yeah. tired and this and that. But what I'm realizing is um, my awareness is is like on a higher level. So when that stuff does happen, there's a voice in my head telling me that I'm actually going through this. And telling me to step away, telling me take a break, telling me to stay calm, right? To give myself time to kind of like get my composure back as opposed to just reacting to the situation. It gives me time to respond. And it sounds like you're probably in a similar state. Yeah, you've just articulated in a really clear way what I was talking about earlier as far as that, like, that space that you get, right? Between like whatever the stimulus is and the reaction. And that space is longer for me now. It's absolutely longer. And yeah, like I can catch myself doing it and then I'm like, don't say, don't say. And then like, sometimes I'll start to say it now. So there's just, there's more moments to catch yourself. You still might drive off the cliff, but there's like, yeah, and bells and like, whatever you just, you have a, I have a longer span there before I do, but you're right. Like if you're tired, if you're hungry, if you're tired and hungry and people are whining around you, they're still <laughs> push you off. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning, man. My, my kids are two and five and, uh, I'm blessed, man. I got really great kids, but still with great kids, I mean, it's not always perfect. And uh, I think I'm so fortunate to be able to go through, like, this is my third year, I'd say, like doing this whole self-development kind of work. And it's really been beneficial for my parenting. Um, So we talked about the morning routine. I'm wondering, do you have a nightly routine as well? I do. And I'm batting like a 50% average on it right now. It's funny how... I've been so great at the morning one and the, the night one I haven't been holding myself to, but the night one is, so in the morning is ice cold shower. At nighttime, it's a very hot shower. Mm-hmm. So it reminds me and it like rinses off the entire day. Then I do gratitude journaling and then uh, I do some reading and I, it's, I do some kind of reading. So I'm reading most days and journaling most days. So it's a really nice way. So in the morning, the journaling is more creative journaling or organizing thoughts or priorities, or maybe if there's something pressing on my mind that I haven't sorted in the nighttime journaling is gratitude, things that I'm grateful for, things that I'm grateful for that day. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty like like standard, I would say. I mean, Mm -hmm. most people kind of recommend the whole gratitude thing. One thing that I've been personally practicing um, when I do my nighttime journaling is more reflection um, and I like to reflect on like the day that I had and I've been trying to work through some stuff recently and I think this is why and I've been trying to identify like the emotions that have been coming up and why I've been getting triggered um, and by writing them out it's, it's been really really helpful and, and again therapeutic I guess just to like releasing that stuff before I go to sleep and I've noticed now a difference on the days that I don't do it I have a hard time falling asleep versus the days that I do it find it a lot easier for me just to go into a nice settled sleep so 
there's there, there's definitely something to the morning routine and the night routine and i get it not like it's sometimes hard to to be 100 percent like batting 100 right um but i think it's okay it's okay if you miss a day there's nothing like i used to i used to beat myself up actually um if i did miss a day right um but at, at this point i'm like okay well i missed yesterday let's see what i can do today right yeah, I think the key, there's a really great book on habits that I read recently, Atomic Habits. And one of the yeah, things is just... I haven't read like, it, but I've heard of that one. You, you oh, enjoyed that book? It's so good. I, I think, definitely think it's going to be the book that I gift the most this year. So mm-hmm. one of the things in it is just not letting yourself miss two days in a row. So if you, something happens, something comes up, kids derail, you get sick, whatever, and you're going to miss a day, it's going to happen. Yeah. You don't want to dwell on it too much you get right back on the horse and don't do two days in a row of missing it. And that's yeah. how you maintain your momentum. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've heard of that book. I think it, the author is um, James, is it James Cleary or something or no? Sounds familiar. If I ran up a couple flights of stairs, I could bring a copy down. I definitely have it upstairs in my, my nook where I do my writing and meditating. Yeah. It's okay. I'm actually just going to Google it right now. Cause uh, yeah, it is James Clear. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to check that book out. You're not the first person to bring that to my attention. So I look at these as signs, as things I should uh, kind of read. And um, I'm all about habit these days, so I will definitely check it out. Um, so I, I want to just read you a quote, actually, that you said while I was doing a little bit of research on you. And um, I want to follow it up with a question. So the quote is this. You said that when you're aligned on what you're doing and why, the choices become easier. I took this picture after spending an hour meditating in a sensory deprivation flow tank. Uh, I look like I'm at peace because I am, I know my purpose, right? So obviously you just came out of doing a float. Um, so I'll ask you a two part question. First one is um, how do you know like what your why is and how do you know what your purpose is? Oh, great questions. I love that you went digging and exploring <laughs> personally, or you mean in general? Well, you tell me because you, you're the one who said it. You said yeah, yeah. Okay, so I can tell you. So I'll talk personally, and then I, maybe I can talk a bit more in like general, kind of how people can find it. But it's just we spend a lot of time, especially as a society, distracting ourselves. And whether it's you know the team is in the playoffs, or it's incessantly being on our social media feeds, or watching shows on Netflix or just doing all these things to avoid spending quiet time with ourselves. And when you spend quiet time with yourself, you're faced with a lot of things. And I think it can be scary to be in that space if you're not used to it. But if you're willing to go there and you're willing to spend time in that space, there's layers, right? There's layers as far as like past regrets and worries and relationships that are on a a note that you wish they weren't and conversations you should really have that you've been avoiding. But if you, stay if you're willing to spend more time in that space it's like there's layers and you go deeper and deeper and once you get past some of that noise and some of this like undone work and you do the work then you can reflect on and it's more apparent as far as like what are the things that bring you joy what are the things that bring you energy what are the things that feel effortless what are the things that when you do you don't notice the time what are the things that you know you've wanted to do but maybe didn't because your parents pressured you to go to school for something else or because you didn't think you were able to make money doing it mm-hmm. or because you were afraid of, you know, rejection or judgment or whatever. Like it, you, if you're willing and able to spend time in those places and reflecting on those things and, and self-reflecting whatever way it works for you, for me, meditating is a great way. Journaling is another way. You can start to tease out the themes. Um, there's an obsession with money. Like money is the be all end all. Right. But, and there's the alan watts little there's a two minute tidbit of one of his lectures and it's what if um what if money was no object and i that really resonates with me as far as you stop think about like if money was no object what would you be doing what would you choose to spend your time doing and like oh i'd sit around and eat all the junk food and watch my favorite show no like beyond that like that's not gonna bring you fulfillment you you're gonna love that for a few weeks and then you're gonna hate yourself well 100 percent. that's not even fulfillment um i've come just to recognize that 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 is more about feeding your emotional triggers um Mm -hmm. and i loved everything that you're saying about the layers 
and removing those layers one by one until you can kind of get closer and closer to your true self. Um, because what I've learned is that those layers are built up over time from when you're a kid to when you're a teenager to when you're an adult. And all you're doing is packing on those layers. So the more time you can spend like identifying them and letting them go, the more closer and closer you're going to get to your true self. And it sounds like you've done a lot of work on yourself over the years and uh, sounds like you're in a really happy place. Um, tell me a little bit about the, the deprivation tank and, and like, have you done that often? Um, I actually, um, I have like a free tank on my credit at this wellness studio and I haven't gone yet. Um, I'm going to go soon. It's not like I don't want to go. I will be going very, very soon, but I want to hear about your experience. So I think it's interesting because people who are inclined to meditate or to be okay with some alone time, I think more naturally would just be more comfortable in the situation if you have any kind of fear of um, uh, of being like being boxed in or claustrophobia or whatever. There's, there's reasons that people are kind of afraid of that way. But some of these um, locations have open rooms where they have like a float pool in an open room. So you, if you're claustrophobic, there's another way around it. I prefer the pod because I do feel like it's almost like being in the womb. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah. And because you're floating, you become, it's hard to start to know where your body ends and where the water starts, which is a really nice feeling. Have you done it multiple times or just the one time? Um, that was my third time. Okay. So the first time you did it versus the third time you did it, was there a difference in the experience? Um, for sure. I think the first time I did it, there was a bit more, it took me a few more minutes to kind of get into it. And I was thinking about like, what does this mean? Am I doing it right? What happens? What can I like drown? And like, what? but I, I what happens if you fall asleep? Nothing. You're floating. It's so, the water is so dense with this, the salt, the sea salt that you, you just, you float. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be checking that out very, very soon. Um, I found this, this place called elemental wellness out in uh, it's right near Vaughn mills. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been there a couple of times. I've done like a breath work, meditation workshop and I've done a sound healing uh, meditation workshop and um, for Valentine's Day I sent my partner Krista to go there and do a float um, and yeah it, it's a really great place so I'll definitely be going back um, so so let me just circle back here for a sec because um, you gave me a great explanation but what I, I want to know is um, you said that you know your purpose and, and your why and maybe we'll consider them one and the same uh, what, what do you consider to be your purpose Personally, my purpose here is to be a teacher and to find the lessons from my experiences in life and from the things I read and from the things I've experienced and to share that and to help other people, to be a connector with other humans. I, there's a more and more loneliness and a lack of connection and impersonal things. So I, I connect well with people. And when I'm willing to put myself out there and connect and be vulnerable. Then um, people feel listened to and heard. So, yeah, I'd like I, the word coach. I, I was thinking about it for whatever reason. It wasn't sitting right with me. I didn't necessarily like it. But my my, my role is is to be a, a, a teacher. To what about what about the word guide? Guide. That's okay. The word guide's good too. Or yeah. sherpa, if you will. <laughs> sherpa. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just to, to help people feel lighter and to help people feel that, feel seen and feel heard and to provide teachings in whatever forms. I, I wonder, I wonder, and you can tell me if this resonates, like through your DJing and through your, your music, if that's another way for you to make people feel lighter and feel heard. Because like when you play that music, you know, um, and people enter the dance floor, it's a way of expressing themselves. Do you feel like there's some kind of like connection there? Absolutely, definitely. That's and that's a huge draw. The reason why I got into DJing is for my love of dancing. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about that because you have some pretty cool videos of you just like, like in these random locations, and I'm I'm assuming you're just traveling around, yeah. uh, but you're doing this like specific dance where you cut and everything. It was like so good, man, so good. So so there's definitely something very expressive about you. Um, and, and those are all ways of making people feel lighter and happier and a little bit more at ease. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Thank you. I appreciate you bringing that up and thanks yeah. for the 
it. So yeah, my, it was my love of dancing that really got me into to DJing. And then the idea that I get to share music that I really love and enjoy that brings me happiness with a crowd, with an audience. And then they get that as well. And they get to let loose and they get to forget about whatever was worrying them and hopefully be in the present moment. And there is a real interaction there that's possible, which I, I definitely love and enjoy. So then even those dancing videos, it's so funny. Like I, I the first one I did was a, a few years ago and I did it cause I was listening to some old music and I was feeling reminiscent. Uh, and I was thinking of a friend that passed away. So I recorded it and put it up and it got, it got, it got way more of a response than I expected. And the one I posted this week too, like there's people like, Several people talk about, oh, you've reminded me of the fun of dance again. I need to yeah, go dance. Like, yeah. Right? And, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. And it's just me, like, I don't know, just dancing silly in my living room for 30 seconds and yeah. putting yeah. that out there. But, but what I'm also seeing is this, like, going back to your whole thing about being vulnerable and being able to record a video like that and share it with people. Now, I, I can, it's obviously part of your persona, and that's a little bit, you know, people probably would expect that of you right mm -hmm. um because of being the dj and you've always been in that scene but like even for myself um you know i, I enjoy dancing as well i used to go to a lot of parties mm -hmm. and and i haven't been in a while but um but I, I was doing a little bit of that on instagram and just sharing it on, on instagram stories because i know not too many people would see it but i don't like i don't even think i would record it and post it and share it with just everybody because you know just that whole fear of of like what people are going to say and people are going to think and all these kind of things. But, you know, I think that's just a really good way to get, you know, out of your comfort zone a little bit. And you know how they say it's like get comfortable being in the uncomfortable. Um, I think there's something to that to just kind of like, you know, being cool with like who you are and just putting that out there and sharing it with the world. Um, and it sounds like you're touching a lot of people. So that's, that's pretty amazing. On that note too, the, the one dancing video that has the most views is me dancing at a bunch of famous locations in Paris. That's the one I was talking about. Yeah. So, and that, the, the, like I did another shorter one this week, but that's the one that's got the most amount of views. Yeah, okay. And that I hit discomfort with, and it was really interesting to hit this wall because I am fairly outgoing. I moved around a bunch as a kid because my dad was in the army in the years that I didn't move. My friends moved. I've just like, I've done a bunch of things. So I, I find myself being able to adapt well. And you're right. Like, so I've DJed in front of thousands of people and all these ways that I put myself out there, but especially in the Louvre. So we're in Paris and Melissa's with me and she, you know, we've got this idea and she's going to film me. And I froze. Like I froze and it took me, I don't know. It didn't take me like 10 minutes, but say 10 minutes for me to get the gall and like get the balls to be like, because you were in a public place, right? When you were doing it. Place. Yeah. And I'm in one of the most famous museums in the world. And there's these people milling around and securities over there wondering what I'm doing. And I'm in this <laughs> hall and then and like that chatter, right? It just started and it started getting louder and louder. And I just had a moment where like, I either just have to start dancing or this whole thing's done or I'm going to walk out of here with like yeah. mission zero. What, what were some of the feelings that were showing up for you? Um, just, yeah. Anxiety, just like being seen on that level and, what are people going to think? And what if we get kicked out? And what, like, I don't know. But yeah, it was just a weird stage fright that. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, you're in a public place, especially inside a museum. Um, <laughs> do, you have, do you have headphones? I can't remember if you were wearing headphones. Yeah, I had the headphone wires playing okay. so I could hear the music. Okay, I was like, because if, yeah, if you did have that, that would have been even a little bit more, I think, difficult to start busting into a groove like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that video was pretty awesome. Um, so you also made another video, uh, Eight Reasons Why You Suck at Accomplishing Your Goals. Um, and I remember you doing this, I think it was at the beginning of this year or last year? Beginning of last year is when I put that out, yeah. Yeah, and, and that was really, really well done. What was the kind of the inspiration behind that? After I kind of pushed reset on my life and when I was talking earlier about how I really got into Ashtanga Yoga and I started finding and leveraging the habits that worked well for me. I started a blog called celebrate Mondays. Okay. And it was just, a, it just as kind of the, the name insinuates the idea that we should be living a life where you're celebrating Mondays versus living for the weekend. And you know, I didn't do crazy amounts with it. I maybe got to like a dozen posts before I stopped doing it. 
And that video is based on a blog post that I did uh, several years ago. And it was a blog post then. It was maybe not seven. It was like six or it was eight. It was six or seven. And um, I just, I don't know, I was meditating one day and I was like, that was really good content. And like, you know, some people saw it on the blog, but I feel like other people might benefit from it. And I was like, maybe if I made it a video, it could reach a broader audience. So I spent a, a considerable amount of time um, editing video clips to you know make it more appealing in the in the video medium and um i just put it out there okay yeah it was really well um produced like um you put like that was the only one you did kind of like that from what i've seen mm -hmm. yeah. yeah there's that the only other thing with maybe that kind of production value is a friend of mine recorded me telling okay a story about um my craziest manifestation story which is like I saw yeah. that one as well. I did, I did have that actually as one of my questions, but um, we didn't quite get to it. Um, but that, that was a cool, I guess, another little scenario. Because you said also you did a lot of manifestation when you were doing your shows and like getting into festivals and stuff. Um, so, um, I mean, I think it's fair to say that manifestation is definitely something that you practice or that you believe in, in the sense of trying to create your own, you know, your own kind of vision in your own life. Fully, like fully. And I've experienced it with like big things and, and small things. And when I was going to Shambhala Music Festival the first time 10 years ago, and I was in a really great state um, for a, a couple of weeks there uh, where I was like journaling and writing again, I was really, um, actually, I did have a good stint there. It's funny if I think about the music journey back to how we started this, I was really healthy, I had all these habits, was very self-reflective, um, was into music. Um, that was going well and around 2008 a whole bunch of things aligned and like I had some music that did well and I got to play some really great shows and it was shortly after that that things started to fall apart and then I started drinking too much etc cetera, etc cetera. but anyway just to say that I thought could I manifest money right because I've manifested like gigs or opportunities and all sorts of things and I thought it's ridiculous so I for a week straight I imagined myself picking up and finding a $20 bill on the ground and it was the first meditation I did in the morning. It was the last thing I did at night. And I imagined what it would feel like if I found the bill and when I would pick it up and what it would feel like my hands and it smelled like money. And like, it was very, very vivid for me. And I was at Shambhala Music Festival and I was in the VIP area and it was like eight days into doing this manifestation meditation. And I looked down and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. It's a $20 bill. And I like, <laughs> once time I found a $20 bill and I picked it up. And I was so excited and I was telling anyone who's listening, willing to listen to me and I was chatting with someone who was on staff there and I told her this story in much more detail than I told it now. And she's floored and she's like, this is amazing. And I tore it in half and I go like, here, you have half and I'll keep the other half. And when I come back, we'll put them back together. And then a few hours later, I was like, damn, I worked so hard to manifest that $20 bill and then I tore it in half right away. And like, why would I do that? And I was feeling <laughs> bummed out about it and I was like, I wonder if I can manifest another $20 bill. And then, you know, fast forward to like two hours later, I'm at a sound stage. There's a few thousand people there. I get hit in the leg by someone who chucked an empty cigarette pack. And I look down at the empty cigarette pack and beside it is another $20 bill. And I found two $20 bills in the same day. Oh, that's a crazy story, man. Yeah. yeah so, so I think next time you're going to do it, you, you, maybe you should increase the number a little bit. To the end of that $20 bill. Um, I haven't done it since. I don't know why I'm not just constantly doing that. I could just walk around life picking up money, but like, well, yeah. uh, maybe I would encourage you to for, like step away from the money and just manifest the life like that you kind of want to create for yourself. I mean, it sounds like you kind of already am. Um, it sounds like you're in a pretty good place, but um, that's kind of my intention. I'm constantly trying to like create this like custom lifestyle that I can have for me and my family, and it's something I strive for every single day and you know, it's, it's not something that you just like snap your fingers and you wake up the next day and everything is like sunshine and rainbows. It's an ongoing process, but at least if you have the vision, you have the goal, working towards something, it gives you some kind of like direction. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, it, it, it totally works. So it's definitely a part of my meditation and journaling right now where there's things that I'm envisioning and I'm starting to start to see and feel in the present tense. And I know what it leads to and it's a really great place to be. Okay. So, um, we're going to kind of wrap things up now. Um, and on that, like on that note, you were talking about kind of like 
um, your vision and whatnot. Do you have like a vision? Do you have like kind of like something that you're trying to work towards? Yeah. So maybe I'll just, there's, there's three things there. Um, that atomic habits book, one of the things that was talking about in there, as far as your, you know, your beliefs, your subconscious thoughts, driving your habits, you know, and you can do all these things to try and change them. But if you don't change what's in there subconsciously, then it's, it fizzles out. And when the motivation winds out, then you're stuck falling back to your old habits. And so I spent a bunch of time thinking and reflecting on what limiting beliefs I might have. And I've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of reflection. I've done different courses. You know, I've done seeds. I've done landmark. I've filled dozens and dozens of journals. Like I spent a lot of time and I realized I had this limiting belief about my athleticism and my physical abilities that I hadn't acknowledged. And it's been there since I've been a child. I was a younger, uh, I was a kid and um, I was always more thinly built. And I just like, oh, it's genetics. I got it from my uncles. I didn't really care for sports. I played baseball in a league for a bit. I got uh, a ball in the eye. I got a really bad black eye. I got made fun of. And then I just, and from there on, I decided that I just wasn't good at sports. And then I had teachers. I grew quickly in a short period of time. So I was quite tall, but I wasn't coordinated because I didn't know how to control this, these limbs yet. And I had teachers trying to push me. You should play basketball. You should play volleyball. And I just wasn't inherently good. So at a super young age, I believe that I wasn't necessarily physically strong or athletic. Right. And I like buy into that at age eight or whenever age 10 has then of course influenced all of the future things that involve physical activity or sports or my strength. And I've carried it to be true. And that was part of the Genesis for me to have a morning exercise and like, oh, interesting to like to change that, to uproot that. Yeah which is awesome. And now the other thing that I'm really reflecting on is, so I know my role here is to be a teacher. I believe it to be such. And it's one of the things that I'm meditating on and I'm writing on to really, to, to be act that way. And that's part of the reason why I'm putting out the content that I am and trying to put it out more regularly because a teacher's got to teach, right? And it's not about teaching for a paycheck. It's like, I'm just sharing ideas. I'm sharing knowledge. I'm putting the kind of thoughts out into the world that mm-hmm. I think I should be doing. And that's part of, and then the the third part is just on on financial wellness uh, tied to that. The idea that, yeah, I can be financially stable, being rewarded for the value I put out there. And if I am a strong, healthy, connected teacher who is willing to spend time being creative and organize my thoughts and share it and put out content and be vulnerable, then inevitably I'm going to attract the wealth to uh to reward me for the value i'm putting out there so those are the things that are the focus of my journaling and meditations right now okay i mean those are amazing things i mean i I think one thing as well like going back to the whole teaching aspect of it it's also like i think part of your your own um your own growth and a way for you to evolve because at some point you have to start you have to start taking all that experience and all that knowledge and you have to start giving it back to people and when you do that in my in my interpretation, like it allows you to grow even even further, right? Mm-hmm. There's only so much you can take in before you have to start giving it back out. And I think when you start giving it back out and teaching it, it just rises you up even more. Um, so so maybe that's also what's going on here, right? It's just trying to get to that next kind of level where you can kind of now share everything that you've been through um, in, in with the intention of like supporting people that are kind of like in the place that you used to be in, right? That's part of the reason why, like, I started doing this podcast, um, you know, was for that intention that, like, myself, I've been doing the self-development stuff for three years now, and I look back at, like, where I was when I first started to where I am now, and I'm a completely different person. My thoughts are different. The way I operate is different. The way I show up in the world is different. The way I show up for myself is different. And if I can somehow, like, reach one person and connect with them in a way that, that maybe they can start self-development, maybe, you know, they can... Uh, reach out to me or you or somebody just to kick that off then I feel like I've done something positive and and that's you know that was my whole intention behind um, creating this thing Um, I'm actually taking it to another level where um, I'm in a mastermind group and three uh, three of my friends are now part of this kind of movement if you will that we've created we're developing a website there's going to be some video content coming out continue with the podcast there's going to be journal entries and stuff and on the website, there'll be opportunities to reach out 
um, between me and my th three friends and support or something. Um, it's just a way of us kind of like giving everything back that we've kind of learned and experienced. So, um, it, it's a good practice to have, I think, is what I'm trying to go with, uh, go, where I'm trying to head here. I love it. No, it's true. There's the, I think there's a fallacy with creatives thinking that there's such thing as writer's block or running out of ideas or what if I put all my good ideas out there and I run out and it's just, you just, you keep going and the more that you put out there and the more that you give, you're like, you're talking about, it makes room for more stuff, right? Like it pushes you and yes. there's no better way. It's like back to the layers earlier. Like, yeah, yeah. you got to release stuff to make room for new positive stuff. And yeah. um, I, I think that, yeah, man, I'm all about it and stuff. And like, I think it's a really positive place to be in. Um, so I want to ask you one final question to kind of like to ask this to each of the guests. Um, if there is one habit that you could kind of let go of that you kind of have right now and just kind of like release it out into the, into the universe, what would that habit be in return? If you could replace that habit with something else, um, what would that habit look like? That's such a good question. Yeah. And I, I would be giving unsolicited advice. It's something that I'm trying to be conscious of. So, so um, I enjoy helping people. I enjoy teaching people. I love coaching people. I'm lucky that a lot of people come to me for ideas and um, advice, uh, etc. But giving unsolicited advice is generally never ends well doesn't do anything to build rapport generally does the reverse um, is toxic to personal relationships. Um, and I'm much better at it than before, but I'm definitely trying to consciously catch myself on those moments and to not do it. Do you ask people before you give them advice if it's okay if you give them advice? Yeah. And that's definitely like it. That's, coaching it's definitely like a tenet of proper coaching like a real mentor a real coach um you would you would ask right so even if someone's coming to you for advice you know first you're you're just listening you're letting them kind of dump and you're reflecting back and you're summarizing it sounds like you're saying this and a lot of scenarios that's all you need to do because the person will kind of untangle their own stuff if you can be an ear for them and then um <laughs> If you maybe then, if that's not working, you can play the facilitator role where you're starting to ask questions. You're asking open-ended questions and you're maybe trying to lead them places, but you're not, again, not telling them. Right. And that will then normally solve most of the other people's challenges. Like you're at that point, you've got like 80 or 90% of the people. And then really it's only for very difficult or more stubborn scenarios or people that are really struggling that you need to like, yo, you need to do this. But it's still like the, the best way in the way of a true coach and mentor is then to ask like, Jared, do you mind if I give you some advice? Do you mind if I shared an idea? Um, because if I ask you and you give me permission, then it changes the dynamic totally versus me being like, Oh, you should just do this. Cause you can think of all these instances in your life where parents and teachers and ex partners and people have just like, why don't you just do this or just do this and how it, you know, whether it was the rebel in you as a teenager, not definitely not wanting to do it then or just then not being open to it. So, um, and, and then, so the scenario I just unfolded with the different stages, that's also in a, in a scenario where someone who's like come to you and ask for advice, but there's also just like where someone's not asking for advice and people are, and I've done it myself being like, just telling people what's on my mind or what I think they should do. And that, that's even worse, like the, yeah. the, even further. So it's funny, Melissa and I, we stopped doing it because we talked about it because she's, she's very, aware and she's a great coach and mentor she's my coach like she's absolutely just the person that i go to for for my support um and we know that you should innately ask for permission but for a little while with the habit of like can i can i tell you something can i give you some advice and it's a rhetorical question you don't want the answer to and you know the answer is no and before the person even says yes or no you proceed to give the advice anyway yes. uh, um it, and again that does no good for our intimacy for our relationship for mm -hmm. our so I, I totally uh, get it. And I think yeah. even on, on the flip side is like I think the people that you're trying to give advice to need to be open to it. And if they're not open to it, you're basically talking to a closed door and you're just kind of wasting your energy on it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um yeah, so that would be the thing that I would want to remove that I'm consciously working on right now. What would I want to replace it with? 
Um, more patience to see the long-term game unfold. That's a good one. Yeah. Patience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, feel yeah. Like, I feel like we did, you know, we've kind of put a couple of things out there um, that you can kind of like sit with and, um, you know, maybe, maybe this will get you one step closer to, you know, letting go of one and bringing in another. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, doing this with me. It's been a great conversation. I've yeah, really, I enjoyed it. I've actually really learned a lot about yourself and, and also just a lot of insights on like how these kind of practices have really benefited you as a, as a person. So again, I appreciate it. And you know, for everyone that's listening to this, you can check us out masteryourmindset.ca. Uh, you can check us out on Spotify, on iTunes, where you anywhere pretty much you listen to podcasts and if anyone is looking to reach out to you, where can they kind of find you on like social media? Uh, yeah. So Rob G with two B's. If you, uh, Rob G.com on Facebook and on Instagram, I'm R O B B G one, two, three. If you search for Rob G on Spotify, Apple music, et cetera, I'm in all those places. So. Okay. So Rob G that's Rob R O B B. Um, awesome. Thanks again. And, uh, Yeah, we'll catch up with you guys later. Thank you so much for having me. It's been